0: What are the swing skills that could shape the 2023 NBA draft? My guy, Leif Tuline is here, and we'll talk about some of the swing skills that we think could help candidates maximize their draft potential. Stay tuned. Big big shout out to each and every person that has made the Locked on NBA Big Board Podcast your first listen of the day. I'm Rafael Barlow, the director of scouting for NBA Big Board and the founder of NBA Draft Junkies. And my co-host for today is Leif Tuline, the guy that watches more college basketball than anyone else. College basketball is it's not a week old, but we were starting to, to get into the swing of things. And this episode is about the swing skills that could help guys maximize their their draft ranking. So everyone has like a a a skill. At least I feel like everyone has a certain skill set that if they improve this or if they show this then I mean it, it'll help their draft. Like some guys I think they've already established a range that they're not going to go below, but there are some guys that this certain skill set improving or showing improvement from the skill set can can help them out. So, I'll start off with Lee. First of all, how are you doing? It looks like the, uh, the got the mustache coming in.
1: <laughs> I, I'm doing well. The mustache is. I'm surprised people can see it as it grows in blonde. But but college basketball is on. I, it's consuming a lot of my time. But I'm I'm happy to have that consuming my time, and I'm making sure to jot down notes as I watch various games and. There haven't been very many show-stopping games, and I'm hoping tomorrow it kind of really college basketball sinks in with.
0: Yeah, I mean, both the months of August and September and October (laughs) is kind of rough, so I'm glad that, that college basketball is definitely back. All right, so when talking about this draft, this is a draft that I don't know if it was you that I did the episode with or maybe it was Sam. This is a draft that is high on athleticism and lacking shooters. So there are going to be a few guys that, at least I'm, I'm guessing, that you feel like the the shooting is is the swing skill. Who is the the number one prospect that you think can do the most for his draft stock with good shooting or at least efficient shooting numbers this season?
1: I would say it's O'Sar Thompson um, because. I don't know if he'll, his stock will rise as much because he's already higher than most, so he may not be as much of a climber. But I think in when you're in that range where he could be in the top 10, moving from 14, which is kind of like the floor that I, I've seen him at, um, up to six or seven is a huge jump, even if it isn't as many ranking spots as someone moving 30 to 15. Um, he's got all the athletic tools that we allowed – um Amen thompson for he's got passing ability he's just not on ball as often uh defensively he should be a terror if he can shoot the ball at a better clip and improve his form i think he really makes his his stock really skyrocket but also make their the only weakness he has really go away and i think he before he was kind of like he could be great if this happened but now if he his shot's good, he's really good at a lot of things. It's not just good at a lot, master of none. I think he can master some things, and then he fixes his glaring weakness.
0: It is a very, very, very glaring weakness. Man, I don't have the stats in front of me right now, but I want to say it was like 25% from from three or something. like. Not even 25. I want to say it was like in the low 20s from three. The catch and shoot numbers were pretty abysmal. (laughs) And I I, I do think that it it will help him out a lot to improve his draft stock. I mean, let's just say he shoots 37%, 36%, 35% on three attempts per game. Does he crack the top five?
1: Yeah, I, I I don't know. Um, but he certainly would have a claim for it. Right now I've got him at number seven. Um or seven or eight. I can't remember what I what I put him at, but one of those two. So I'm I'm higher than him than most. And if he fixes that, he's certainly not far off the top five for me.
0: Yeah, it's crazy. Both brothers shot below 25% from three and below 70% from the foul line. A sore shot, 28.7% on jumpers. 26 and a half percent on catch and shoot jumpers he was five for 29 on unguarded catch and shoot jumpers and yeah <laughs> those numbers aren't good especially off the ball uh, on one hand like all right, do you feel like you'd rather have a bad shooter off the ball or a bad shooter on the ball
1: because i've heard both cases so this is it it, it depends who he's surrounded by um if you're if you're a team surrounded by by other shooters i'd rather have him on the ball and create with his dynamic athleticism and there may be some growing pains as being the the primary ball handler right away but that would be my preference make things happen get to the cup kick the ball out whereas off the ball you kind of have to hide him and have him slide off the baseline and cut and I think he could still make things happen with a nose for the basketball, and he's shown he's been able to do that for overtime elite. But I, I, in the NBA, I prefer having my non-shooter be a uh, a playmaker that that respects the defense and, and commands attention in other ways.
0: Gotcha. All right, here's my swing skill. I don't think it's going to have a major impact on his draft range, but I've mentioned it before. I want to see Nick Smith finish at the rim. I know he is heavily relying on the floater, and I know his floater is impressive. I mean, it's like his bread and butter. It's kind of nitpicking here, but I would love to see him more so. I, I would love to see him finish at the rim better because I think if he's finishing at the rim or he's going all the way to the basket, I think the free throw numbers will, will rise he's a good shooter and I think he can put up more points if he's attacking more and, and getting to the free throw line. What are your thoughts on, on on Nick Smith and getting to the rim or finishing at the rim being a swing
1: skill? I like it. I think the pressure he can put on a defense because of the way he gets where he wants to is really impressive, but he doesn't put pressure on the rim in the way that someone like Scott Henderson and we and we briefly discussed uh I don't remember exactly what it was, but someone was commenting that uh, Nick Smith was ahead of Scoot, and and I said that I, I just don't Mike Jones. Mike every, Jones. Every,
0: I'm sure he's going to comment after this. Yeah. <laughs> I had asked so, ask, was so, he from Arkansas? So, he's, so, I, uh,
1: so he, he's very high on Nick Smith, but we we had a brief aside a week or two ago, and I, and I said this, is that. The pressure that Scoot Henderson puts on the on a defense, but in particular the rim, is relentless because he's able to get there, finish with his body, finish with finesse and physicality. Uh, Nick Smith, I haven't seen that. And and believe me, I'm the biggest proponent of the floater you'll ever meet. Like I have a group chat called Floaters Over Layups. Um, And, and I love a good floater, but I think at, the, at this level you have to be able to finish at the rim. So I think that's a very good pick for that. And that's one of my um for each player i kind of write down notes of what i want them to be shooting like percentage wise and what type of shots i want to see them shooting in terms of like which shots they're shooting splits um and and that was on there i said i want to see him shoot uh i forget the number i laid out but a certain amount of percentage shots at the rim rather than from 10 feet and i don't know until later in the season when i go through this energy stats what it'll be but that's something i'm going to be tracking
0: i love that because i mean i do something similar. Uh, so when I do my my notes, like I, I, I pull out my phone and I'm typing the notes in, in the in the notes on the iPhone and I have my areas of concern and sometimes it's an area of a major area of concern, but then also it is just my selfish plan for the player what I would like. To see, that doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, if it doesn't happen that they're not going to be able to be really good. But for, for him, it was definitely definitely finishing at the rim more because I'm like, usually floater is the thing that we want the guy to add to his game because he's so reliant on attacking the rim. He may not be able to get there with, with NBA rim protectors or even like with the college lane being packed. So it's, it's kind of like the opposite. We're usually wanting someone to add a floater. So I have this draft guide that that should be coming out. should be out within the next 24 to 48 hours. And uh, shameless plug here. It's over 100-something prospects. I've put in a ridiculous amount of time and work. And you're going to see on there a lot. Needs to add floater. Needs to add floater. And Nick Smith is like the one guy where I'm like, okay, you shoot the floater too much. (laughs) Can Can you get to the rim a little bit more? All right, we have a few more prospects that I want to talk about, but I have to let you know about Bet Online and why Bet Online is the number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. That's because at Bet Online, you get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there, from football to basketball to soccer, even esports. They have it at betonline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at Bet Online as well. BetOnline is the fastest and the easiest way to get your betting fixed. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline is where the game starts. Once again, it's Rafael Barlow with my co-host, Leif Tuline, and we want to thank you for making the Locked on NBA Big Board podcast your first listen of the day. Now, we are suggesting you to check out the Locked On Sports Today podcast. From the games that matter the most to the biggest stories in sports, go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and insights that only Locked On can provide. Locked On Sports Today, it is available on this app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. All right, we are talking about swing skills. Who is next on your list as far as this swing skill can change the trajectory of their draft stock?
1: Yeah, I think there's a lot of players that it will it'll be redundant that we want shooting because they excel athletically. Um, so mm-hmm. I've got, I'll list a few there, and we can kind of delve into one or two of them. Uh, one one that I think really needs to work on the the jump shot, especially from the perimeter, Juraice Walker, because he's got the physical tools to be everything that you want from a modern four. Gigi Jackson, super young on a very poor South Carolina team. He, he shot well against South Carolina State. I paid close attention to that one because I'm high on his skill set, but I worry in the SEC they could go Owen oh and 18 for that, and, and he'll struggle because he's going to have to shoulder an un, unbearable burden. And then Arthur Kaluma, as I know, someone you you brought up um, as an example for for a swing skill. that's cut and dry is, is jump shooting and and what he can do from that. So those are three that I think have the physical tools right now to be NBA players, but they have to work on their jump shots and and creative ability, especially, but mostly just their jump shots um, because they're perfectly sized for modern threes and fours.
0: I have one that I think you left off. And he, to me, has the biggest glaring weakness as far as the jumper. Because he doesn't even take them. Dylan Mitchell. (laughs) I saw that uh, I was talking to a scout. And uh, he told me that Dylan Mitchell, to his knowledge, has taken 11 three-pointers in the last calendar year. 11. And he's six seven, so he's really a, a wing size.
1: I was concerned about his jumper, but it was hard to know because you, you don't get very good stats coming into Texas. And then they, you see him, and you're like, oh, he's just taking what the defense gives him because they've played poorest competition so far. And uh, with that statistic, I, I feel confident in my initial assessment of of a shaky jump shot. But that was one I I, I kind of jotted down the note, but didn't didn't feel confident about saying it because i hadn't seen him shoot any but i think there's a reason for it
0: yeah i mean i know people are gonna kill me on this one i wouldn't be surprised if he has a kendall brown type year right and i I hope i'm wrong i'm one of the people and i'll raise my hand and admit it at one point i had kendall brown in the non-conference part of the schedule i was like oh he's a top five pick I was like, at one point, I was like, "The Blazers need him. You know, he's this guy that's athletic. The Blazers need athleticism. He'd be a ball mover." And I'm like, "If he can just become a confident shooter, because I mean, the shot doesn't look bad. He's just such a reluctant shooter." And then Kendall Brown ended up, I think, it was like 48th or whatever.
1: And I he think, was a steal at 48, though.
0: I mean. <laughs> Okay, <laughs> has he played yet? I don't know. Anyway, so uh, I think that the reason why he fell so far to 48, this is just my opinion, was because he was such a passive scorer. Like There were times where you you you'd look and say, man, he should play a lot better, put up a lot more numbers. And I think Dylan Mitchell has this motor, this relentless motor, where he's going to always impact games with just his rebounding and his hustling. But it wouldn't surprise me if he has several games where he's under like five shots per game, where he's not looking to really be assertive, where he doesn't look confident with the ball. And I wonder how much that can impact his, his draft stock.
1: Yeah, I think that's all very fair. And I think he's on a we, – we talked about this last time, uh, specifically highlighting Julian Phillips, uh, who's not quite on this in this discussion, but on good teams – with lowered um, usage rate for for these freshmen, it makes it hard to project them, and there's been some that have really elevated because of projection, like Patrick Williams, for instance, one of my favorite prospects from that draft class, Um, he played a loaded Florida State team, came off the bench, and moved up, but Julian Phillips, uh, a guy like Dylan Mitchell, on good uh, Texas and Tennessee teams, respectively, I'm curious to see how they do, and I think the confidence may waver because of there's other players that want and need the ball. And so that's, it's almost a, a catch 22 because you think you can think of it both ways. Like, Oh, you got to be the guy um, or you can be like, Oh, he's a great role player already. So that's one that I think is very fair about his swing skill and the others have more defined roles within their offenses and have more shots taken. But I think they really need to work on their jumpers.
0: All right. Let's talk about Kaluma. I'm from Omaha. So of course I root for creating. Here's this funny story that I just heard a couple of days ago. So I live in Dallas, but I'm, I'm from Omaha, born and raised. And I just found out that Arthur Kaluma used to play. <laughs> he used to live in Dallas. And uh, I was talking to a a parent uh, of a, of a recruit and we were just talking about some of the teams that he used to coach. And he was like, yeah, I used to coach Kaluma. And I was totally shocked that i guess he lived here i think they said from like fifth through eighth grade or something like that but anyway what do you think he needs to do to get into the lottery
1: well creighton's gonna have a good offense whatever way that you can roll the ball out and that with that level of talents and greg mcdermott at the helm they're gonna have a good offense so i think he needs to really maximize his three-point shooting ability and shoot a lot off the catch and shoot because we've seen his mid-range I mean, we, we've both discussed that that Kansas game in the tournament, like he he looked like he could have been a first rounder within that game and he shot some mid range, he got to the rim, he's got the strong frame, defended well, uh, I honestly think he just needs to work on catch and shoot, uh, shootability, and then he'll shoot mid range jump shot, that's part of his arsenal, but in the NBA, I don't think he's going to be the guy, so he rarely will shoot those, so I think it's it's all about for him maximizing his catch and shoot opportunities, and getting his percentage up. And, and it sounds easy, but I mean, I, I think it's sometimes more simple than we think.
0: Yeah. Yeah. He shot 26% from three last year on three attempts per game. One thing I, I, I definitely noticed was he's confident in the jumper. He He wasn't afraid to let it fly even in the Kansas game, which I thought he was gone after that Kansas game. I thought he, I mean, he, just had made such a good lasting impression, but, um, yeah, man, I I think that if he can improve, let's say his percentage improves four points. I mean, I'd put him at like 30, but if he's around 33, 34 and he's rebounding, I think that he, I think that he has a chance. I mean, I think there's a, a spot in the NBA for like these combo forwards that they feel like are strong enough to play the four, but, but agile enough to where they can defend some of the the wings, so I think there's definitely a spot there. All right, is there anybody else that you feel like they have one specific? Spe- 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 oh, I can't talk. One specific swing skill that could push them to maximize their the lottery potential. I, I have one that I'll give before you give yours, and it is Keontae George. He showed some flashes as a playmaker. Again, Baylor played Mississippi Valley State. It wasn't the best competition. But in this game, he showed some good passing instincts, which I thought he always had, but he was just so wired to score, and scoring was so easy for him in high school that he didn't necessarily need to pass. And then he played – he had some possessions where he looked like he played some really good defense. So I would say the swing skill for him that could potentially, best-case scenario, make him the first college – player drafted as if he shoots the ball lights out which we we think he can do and he of course shows his ability to pull up over guys shoot from deep and create his own shot but if he can show that he can be a lead guard and a point guard i think that he has a chance to to be the first guard off the off the boards after school
1: I, I agree, but his path to becoming the lead guard at Baylor is, is con- it's difficult because yep. uh, I think L.J. Cryer is the best point guard on that roster in terms of college ball. Adam Flegler is a phenomenal shooter. L.J. Cryer is a really good shooter. Keontae George is a really good shooter. Keontae may be their lead scorer and the guy they turn to in the crunch time. I just think that they'll run the offense more through Cryer because – that's what they did last year, and Scott Drew saw no issues with it. In fact, they were really, really good until Cryer got hurt and it became James Akinjo's show um, to the detriment of the team. Um, that said, I think I, I think that Keontae George can run side pick and rolls with the the athletes Baylor has. I think he can drive and kick to the shooters Baylor has and, and show the flashes and intrigue a team, uh, an NBA team that is enough to make him their guy I I I said he reminded me a little bit of Jamal Murray um, last time or one of the last times we spoke and and I think that Kentucky had a similar way because they had uh, Uless there in his sophomore year when Jamal Murray was a when he was a freshman I think he showed flashes more so than becoming the man obviously with Jokic in Denver it's a little different but Murray can run the point and I think that's the kind of the the hopeful outcome you can get from you george at uh, baylor and then into the nba
0: yeah i don't think it will be their primary but like you said if he can show good decision making on like side picking roles or even just the driving kicks then i think it could really really help is there anybody else that you feel like a swing skill could could swing their 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 draft stock
1: Um, I've got, I've got one. It was staying within the big 12. I I don't know if it's like an enormous swing, but I think the question for Grady Dick is how well he defends uh, uh, wings. Um, He's, he's pretty thin. He's, he's fighting against the, you know, the stereotype of being a white shooter and and he can really shoot the ball well. Um, And so that, that I I almost feel like it works against him in that sense, that he's uh, pigeonholed as just a shooter. And I think he's a better athlete than, and people give him credit for, and I, myself included, I was a little bit skeptical of his defense. And I think the Big 12 is the perfect kind of litmus test for can he defend wings, especially when they play against Baylor, against the Texas Techs, the Texases of the world. And so I'm, I'm kind of waiting to reserve judgment on that But while they play good competition. But uh, that, that's a big swing skill to me that if he can defend against some of the NBA caliber guards and wings, um, I, I think he improves his stock quite a bit rather than just being a shooter.
0: I can't wait to the Baylor game. I can't wait because, I mean, it's like Kansas's size. I mean, they're bigger than Baylor in the backcourt, but Baylor has – I mean, they have some really good shooters. Do you think this Baylor backcourt today is better than their national championship backcourt?
1: No, because the other team was older. Um, Davion Mitchell was a nightmare for everyone. uh, He was defending. He could get to the rim at will. Jared Butler, if Cade Cunningham wasn't phenomenal towards the end of the Big 12 season, he would have won Big 12 Player of the Year. And Macy Oteague was a very good defender, shot 40% from three. And then Adam Flagler was still there. So I don't think it's better. But to be drawing comparisons to that backcourt of a team that almost went undefeated, they lost two games due to COVID, and then they they ran through the NCAA tournament. I think is is a good start for this Baylor team.
0: Yep. All right, man. That wraps it up. Thank you so much for, of course, your your, your great insight. And thank you, the listener, for making this Locked On NBA Big Board podcast your first listen. Now, for your next listen, check out Locked On Sports today. It's the biggest stories of the day. Plus instant reactions big game recaps and the take of the day it is available on odyssey youtube or wherever you get your podcast i'm rafael barlow and this is my co-host leaf julian the guy that watches more college basketball than anyone else we are signing out hopefully, hopefully everyone has a good weekend And with this Saturday coming up of a full college basketball schedule, we will definitely have a lot to talk about next week. So thank you so much. Have a great weekend. And we are out.